Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Pharmacy. Learn more at amazon.com slash appleinsiderrx. And we're brought to you by Headspace. Get a free one-month trial when you go to headspace.com slash appleinsider. And finally, the Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower. Get 15% off Nebbia products right now if you go to nebbia.com slash appleinsider. Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and joining me this week is my Apple Fitness Plus <laughs> partner in crime from across the pond, William Gallagher. Right. I, I was going to ask, is it too late to say Happy New Year? But after that Apple Fitness dig, no, forget it. Hello. <laughs> That's all you get. <laughs> well, I'll say Happy New Year to you. And uh, we're friends on, on activity but uh, I've not been following it. I will I will admit fully here on the podcast, I've done Apple Fitness Plus. You can count on one hand the amount of times I've done it this year. It's it's not been very much. Uh, how about you? Okay, you can count on two two fingers. Two fingers. Okay. <laughs> That's more than one. That's pretty good. For, for very good reasons, I have been much more active so far this year. I've been filling out those exercise circles, and I will not waste an exercise circle. <laughs> By doing more <laughs> than it said. It's, it's not the target, it's the limit. Now, now, by more activity, is it like rolling the chair around the office or is there something uh, else you're doing here? Uh, I'm sure. How could you accuse me? Of, I, I found a way to cheat, <laughs> would you believe? But do I share it with you or not? You can keep it a mystery. I won't press you. Okay, it might involve uh, a local dog running around, but that's enough. Uh, <laughs> very good, very good. Well, nice to have you for this episode in 2021. So let's touch on some of the news. You know, this past week, Tim Cook actually said on CBS on the morning show that he had a big announcement coming. They announced what Apple is going to be doing in regards to racial equality and justice, what they're going to be investing in some new initiatives. And so I'll touch on a couple key points. William had the article, and so I'll let him go into a little more details, but they're contributing $25 million to create a Propel Center in conjunction with Southern Company, that's going to be in Atlanta University Center, a 50,000-square-foot space for learning, labs, and lecture halls. They're also going to open an Apple Developer Academy in Detroit. This is the first time a company has created a training center in collaboration with Michigan State University. They're hoping for 1,000 students annually. And they're also investing $10 million with New York's Harlem Capital, which aims to support a thousand new companies over the next two decades, help entrepreneurs. And so these are awesome initiatives and the uh, renderings in the article of the buildings that they're contributing to. These are some beautiful buildings. So it, you had the uh, article. What Any more details you have on that? There's one detail I'm actually oddly not sure about and so not able to find out from Apple yet, although we were asking. Uh, the hundred million uh, that they're spending now, can't tell if it's on top of the hundred million that they pledged in uh, i think it was june 2020 or whether this is mm. um the fulfillment of that uh, but whichever it is the thing that i like most about it is that none of it is one-off donate to charity take the kudos and run it's all about starting things that are intended to run the developer academy in detroit they're expecting to have uh, get up to about a thousand students every year and it isn't for just one mm. year it isn't for two it's just yep yeah, that's it <laughs> long as it keeps running and uh, also actually speaking of detroit the fact that they're uh, they're opening that but just before they open it uh, they are holding um like a virtual um passing out ceremony i can't think of the right phrase uh for the first cohort that went through its uh, entrepreneur camp for black founders and developers uh, it was uh, started a few months ago and it's come to fruition and now they're on to other things so i i like this business of you know these are important things and we are in it for the long haul that's what i plus those renders of the propel center they look amazing you want to go there don't you yes i do it, it does it looks beautiful so i'll the link to show notes to this it'll be the first one in those links and you can check out the renderings but very cool and just awesome that apple is contributing those things in various areas well this week was also ces 2021 andrew o'hara at apple insider i think he has like 100 hours of zoom calls logged <laughs> because that's what ces was this year it was just all zoom calls and press releases and obviously a lot of devices were announced and a lot of accessories check out the HomeKit insider episode coming mondays we talk about a lot of the home stuff that was announced there was actually a lot of devices there but i want to touch on just two or three of the products that I really found interesting that was announced at CES. One, LG announced the first OLED 4K ultra-fine display. And I'm going to talk about 
my experience with Ultrafine, because I actually have one now and a new desk setup I'm going to talk about in a few minutes. But LG announced its first OLED 4K Ultrafine display. So this display from LG is 31 and a half inches, which is very similar to Apple's Pro Display XDR, which is 32 inches. So same physical dimensions, but this display from LG is 4K. Apple's Pro Display XDR is 6K. So if you're looking for that retina quality, high pixel density screen and a large screen size, this is not going to be competing with that Pro Display XDR just yet. But if you're good with 4K and you want to try out the new OLED technology, this one from LG uh, looks pretty good. And I will say LG's displays are pretty nice, uh, as I'll talk about in a moment. But that was interesting. Also, these were really cool. Anchor unveiled a new accessory lineup. They have some MagSafe cases that are going to be releasing and some MagSafe charging stands. But one of the cool things that they announced were these battery packs that will actually attach to the back of your iPhone 12 via MagSafe, and it can wirelessly charge your phone uh, through that connection. And I thought that was really cool. I, you know, I was wondering if someone was going to do this uh, soon. And Anchor seems the first one to market. And so I've, you know, used portable battery packs in the past, some from Anchor, some from Mophie. But to be able to just slap a battery pack onto the back of your iPhone and it's charging it immediately, you don't need you don't need any cables or need to worry about that. I thought that was pretty cool. So there's some interesting accessories there. I actually really fancy that. I've just got, I was given for Christmas uh, a MagSafe thing. And they're so satisfying. The sound as it goes on, the physical sound. <laughs> yes. And then the, the, the note that Apple pays... They chose that well. It's really, you just like doing it. But yeah, I love anchor batteries and things. I, I have one right next to me uh, that I rely on back in the days when we used to travel. So being able to do this. Oh, wait a minute. This is at CES. Nothing at CES ever actually comes out, does it? Really? No, it's no. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I mean, Anchor is pretty reputable. I feel like that's this, true. This I trust come. them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. This is not a. It's not vaporware just yet. But and then this last thing I want to uh, talk about. You know, Wes was excited about this. This thing looks really cool. Kensington announced the Studio Dock for iPad Pro and iPad Air, the new version of the Air, and this thing. It looks really sweet. So it basically looks like the stand for Apple's Pro Display XDR. It's like that nice aluminum looking, clean looking stand. And then what it has is a place for you to magnetically attach your iPad and connect it via the USB-C port. And then this stand has many other ports that are now available to the iPad. It also has a Qi charging pads for your phone and AirPods right at the base of the stand. But then on the back of the stand from Kensington, there's like USB-A ports, HDMI, if you want to connect a display, headphone jack, and then an Ethernet port as well. So if you use your iPad for work mainly. You really enjoy working from that. And Wes Hilliard, he was on the show last week, he works from iPad first. This thing looks really sweet. It's not available yet. You can go on the website. I'll put a link in show notes and you can sign up to be made notified when it is available. But it looks really sweet. You can also rotate an iPad horizontal and vertical on the Kensington stand. And so again, connecting it to an external monitor, plus all the other connections on the stand, looks pretty sweet. So, you know, when I'm finally convinced to send my iPad Pro to you, William, I don't know, you might uh, be interested in this. I was building up to asking you about that again, but yeah. now I, I, <laughs> it's in your it. head. I'm getting there. It's it is. Closer. <laughs> yes, you've, you've gas lit me enough, gas lighted, <laughs> gas lit me enough, yes. whichever one of those. But a uh, very cool, very cool device. And so again, you could sign up to be notified there. So I'll put links in show notes to those products. Again, a lot of stuff at CES announced, not available just yet. Some of their HomeKit products are available, like Vocal Link humidifier and things like that. Again, check out the HomeKit Insider episode Monday for some of those specific devices and links and show notes to what I talked about just now. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Pharmacy. Listener, let me tell you, I literally order from Amazon all the time, especially during this time of pandemic and staying home. I think that Amazon Prime guy's at my house almost every day. And I did not know about this, but Amazon actually has an Amazon pharmacy program where you can get your prescriptions and medications delivered directly to your door. Amazon pharmacy is super easy to use. You can have your doctor's office just send your prescription straight to Amazon pharmacy and it will be delivered right to your door. You can use your insurance and Amazon pharmacy works with most insurance plans nationwide and Amazon Prime members get free two-day delivery 
And you can save on prescription medications when paying without insurance. Maybe your insurance doesn't cover it or you don't have the insurance right now. You can save on those prescriptions with an Amazon Prime membership. I've worked with my doctors and healthcare professionals to send prescriptions to Amazon Pharmacy, and it's super easy. They send it on, and then you get the medication directly to your door. Amazon Pharmacy will coordinate with your doctor to receive the prescriptions and it's just as convenient as shopping on Amazon for everything else. It's one less errand. You don't have to go to the pharmacy. You don't have to drop off a prescription or go pick it up. It arrives at your door and you're done. It works with most insurance plans nationwide. And again, when you're that Amazon Prime member, you get free two-day delivery and savings on prescription medications when you're paying without insurance. They make it very easy to see the difference paying with and without insurance when you check out. So you have all the information visible and easy to understand. Again, Amazon Prime members, you you can save on prescription medications when not using insurance and get free two-day delivery. Learn more at Amazon.com slash Apple Insider Rx. That's all one word. A-M-A-Z-O-N Amazon.com slash Apple Insider Rx. Amazon.com slash Apple Insider Rx to try out Amazon Pharmacy. Our thanks to Amazon Pharmacy for sponsoring this episode. I want to discuss my new desk setup. And so last week I was talking to Wes Hilliard and trying to figure out, I want to be able to dock my M1 MacBook Pro and use it obviously as a laptop away from the desk, but then have a nice desk setup with mouse, keyboard, and the large display. I was trying to figure out what display I wanted to get, you know, contemplating what's best to use with a Mac. So I actually got all the stuff in between last episode and now. And I currently have the 4K LG ultrafine display. I got one renewed. I mentioned it on last week's episode. You can get them on Amazon refurbished or renewed, basically new to me, someone that looks great and there's no blemishes, no spots on it. So it looks great. So I'm using the LG ultrafine 4k It's 24 inches. And then I also got the bridge vertical dock bridges, B R Y D G E the bridge vertical dock for the 13 inch MacBook pro, which the bridge dock is really cool. Cause it has two Thunderbolt 3 ports coming out the back of the dock. So when you put your MacBook Pro in it, you still get two ports coming out, just like if you were connecting it directly to your MacBook. So that's cool. And so I have one cable going to the LG Ultrafine, and then I have another where I can put a dock for all the other connections that I need. So I have the LG Ultrafine 4K, the vertical bridge dock, and then been trying out various keyboards and mouse combinations, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But I have to say... It is really nice to just be able to take my MacBook Pro out of my bag, stick it in the vertical dock, and I'm immediately feels like I'm at sitting at a desktop computer. I have my mouse keyboard and all that, big display, and everything's connected that I need to, and it's been really nice. So we had a listener suggest, you know, other monitors. Wes and I were trying to figure out what are the best monitors to use with the Mac. Listener recommended a BenQ monitor, a design view, which does look really nice. I'll put a link in show notes to that, but I went with the LG Ultrafine. It's nice because there's all USB-C ports on the back, two of them being Thunderbolt. So I've attached things like that, whether I need to charge or just an accessory. And it's been great. I will say the bridge vertical dock, when I initially hooked it up to the LG Ultrafine, I put my MacBook Pro in there and, you know, I was expecting it to be really, really precise as far as putting the MacBook in and like not being much wiggle room. But there is a gap between the MacBook Pro and kind of the edge around this part of the dock. So it's not like super airtight fit, but it's pretty secure. And then the vertical dock, it actually has this piece inside that goes up and down. It like moves up and down when you put your MacBook in. And I was unsure how far down I needed to push it in order for the two USB-C ports to connect to the connections in the dock. And so when I first tried it, I thought I put it all the way down, but it wasn't connecting to the LG display. So I had to take the MacBook out, connect it directly to the display, make sure everything was working. And then I found that the bridge vertical dock, when you put your MacBook Pro in it, you kind of push it down pretty firmly, and then you hear a click, which means that both of those ports are now in the MacBook Pro 13-inch, and it is connected. And then it pops up on the LG Ultrafine and all that. So that was just a little quirk. If you do get a bridge vertical dock, you know, don't be afraid to kind of push down on it a little firmly to make sure it actually makes the connection. But it's been a nice experience. I've enjoyed sitting at a desk and feeling like I have a desktop Mac. Uh, there is one obvious thing missing, 
Uh-huh. What's that? A photograph. You can't just dangle all this. Oh. See it in action. <laughs> Sounds great. Yes, very good. Let me send you if... I'm particularly taken with that business about uh, the dock not being very firm for it. Because aren't there some where you buy it, but then there are like little inserts to fit whether you've got a uh, MacBook Air or a MacBook Pro or something. Is that... Uh, am I thinking of a completely different... Well, for this, Bridge sells a dock for every specific size. So if you're going to buy a vertical dock from Bridge, you have to tell it what year and what model and what size. So if you have a 16-inch MacBook Pro, that's a different dock that you would purchase from the drop-down. If you have a 13-inch Air as opposed to a Pro, that's a different vertical dock. So it is very specific to your model. And it doesn't come with any inserts. It's just you screw in the bottom base plate and you're good to go. And that's it. And so I just sent you a picture, William, so you could see the setup. Yes, and uh, you appear to work in an Apple store. That's what this looks like to me. <laughs> if you've got one of those great desks. Well, this is a desk of a co-working space I'm actually at. Oh, I see. So it is yeah. not a home office per se. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a co-working space, which in the time of pandemic has actually been pretty quiet. So it is a kind of an ideal situation. But uh, that, that's the setup now. So some quirks, though, as I have explored this setup, you know, I've seen people tweeting about Bluetooth issues on M1 Max, yeah. and I thought they were all crazy because I was not experiencing it. But it's because I wasn't trying to connect multiple Bluetooth devices simultaneously to my M1 MacBook Pro. So when I tried this setup for the first time, I was using a Bluetooth Magic Keyboard, a Bluetooth Magic Mouse, and then I tried to connect my AirPods Max to the MacBook and no dice, just circled and circled, would not connect for anything. Even restarting the MacBook, I wasn't able to get them all to connect at the same time. And even between the keyboard and the mouse, I had some connectivity intermittent issues where I would lose connection to the mouse sometimes. And that was pretty frustrating. And this was like the first time I was using it. This was not like it worked great for a couple of days and then I experienced this. This was like day one Bluetooth issues with this setup. So Apple has said that they're going to be releasing a fix in macOS Big Sur coming very soon. But I will say it makes this setup actually kind of difficult to use at times. Yeah. With the Magic Keyboard, I can connect it directly with a Lightning to USB-C cable if I want to connect the keyboard directly. I don't have a Magic Trackpad at this desk, so I can't, as you all well know, I can't plug in the Magic Mouse and use it at the same time because charging port is conveniently placed on the underside of the magic mouse. So there are sometimes like I, I have to choose what Bluetooth device I'm going to connect. If I connect with the magic mouse, sometimes I have to use my AirPods max with like my iPad and listen to something through there. Cause it just will not connect to the MacBook. So the Bluetooth is definitely an issue when you're trying to connect multiple devices and hopefully that fix comes very soon. I know there's betas released for big Sur recently, but yeah, that, that can be a frustrating. Other than the Bluetooth issues, I will say it is really nice. The other thing is with Touch ID, you know, obviously when I'm using my MacBook with just as the computer not docked, the Touch ID is super convenient for logging in and passwords, Apple Pay, all that kind of stuff. When it's docked like that, sometimes I can use the Apple Watch to authenticate. So when I want to unlock it, it will use the Apple Watch that I'm wearing and it'll unlock automatically and I don't have to put in the password. But for some apps like 1Password, where it would normally just ask for my fingerprint to unlock 1Password, I actually have to type in the password because there is no like Apple Watch connection where I can unlock 1Password with my Apple Watch. So, you know, you lose that Touch ID convenience in some situations. I would still love to see one day, I don't know if this is even possible, but a Magic Keyboard with Touch ID or some kind of authentication of where you can have that even with the lid closed, and be able to use that on something like an iMac as well, if Face ID doesn't come first to that. So that's a little quirk there, but overall I do, I like the setup and it's been working well. I'm kind of a, a much more a software guy than a hardware one, but I, I visited an engineer once, does a keyboard thing, a really interesting guy, terribly interesting product, and he took me through, I think actually he just gave me a sort of surface guide, but it felt like an in-depth guide to precisely how hard Bluetooth is to work and the standards that vary <laughs> and all this. It just, it came kind of away thinking this is alchemy. It is not, why do we have to have this nonsense? How did it become this fragile thing? 
that is because I have Bluetooth issues uh, just randomly and I, I, I don't, I'm wondering now if it's multiple devices because I, I didn't know that was the M1 problem. Uh, I'm going to have to check out what I'm doing with this but it appeared to be just you know in the middle of a sentence my keyboard will go nah I'm not going to bother with that right and then come back later <laughs> when I don't want it so okay yeah throw sugar over your shoulder and get wired uh, devices okay noted right yes exactly and that's you know if i get a magic trackpad i could use it but i actually don't prefer the magic trackpad over the mouse when i'm using a desktop which Ooh. which do you prefer you like the trackpad or you go with the mouse the trackpad by an incredibly long way uh, i find mice really quite awkward to use I, I get that you can be more precise you know pixel for pixel clicking with the mouse but even when i'm doing uh basic illustration work i don't need it i find the the magic trackpad is just amazing when i go to a mac that has even an older trackpad uh, i miss it plus i am a veteran of the hockey puck mouse i used it on one oh, yes. for one day at the bbc and everybody was looking at me waiting to it was like this hot desk spare mac and all of the art departments in this magazine were waiting for me to swear so i used it because yeah it was a rite of passage at this time and and i did <laughs> and it was horrible so that put me off mice meese 20 years ago um, and then i found the trackpad about 10 years ago and i just cannot go back to it at all so you can I'll keep my trap out, you keep the mouse, but we'll still do the deal about the iPad. <laughs> you take the high road, I'll take the low road. No, but <laughs> I like the trackpad a lot. And obviously I use it on my MacBook Pro. I love that trackpad. But I found sitting at a desk using a trackpad for an extended period of time, especially if I'm editing a video, I found like my hand, I don't know, I would, I would have this tension in my hand trying to like hold my hand above the trackpad constantly and only put my fingers down when I meant to. And it just... I don't, not carpal tunnel or RSI, maybe it was an RSI thing, but using the trackpad for an extended period of time, I just found it, it not comfortable for my hands. So it was more of a comfort thing. You know, I do like how many multi-figured gestures you get with the trackpad, four fingers, three fingers and all that. And I use all those on my, my MacBook, but something about that video editing with a magic trackpad, I, it just didn't uh, didn't work for me. So that's why I, I'm sticking with the, uh, oh, the mice. Oh, no, 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 hang on a second. But you audio edit on an iPad, so you must be constantly right. touching and dragging there, and yet you don't feel that same uh, tension. Well, it's all Apple Pencil on there. Oh, I see, right. I just unthinkingly assumed it went right. Okay, that's very swish. Sitting in a in a coffee shop, your artistic <laughs> Apple Pencil at your hand, dabbing away at the screen and editing audio. That's right. That's the life, that's isn't it? it? We, I want to go back to doing that. Yes, it, it is nice. And that's, you know, this co-working space that I'm at, again, because there's not many people around now, I do have the couches at my choice. And I could sit there and edit a podcast, and it's nice. And I look like an artist because I'm using a pencil, there, but I'm not. There you go. I just, I'm editing a podcast. This episode is brought to you by Headspace. Well, we're in a new year but it's looking like there's still some stressful events going on in our world today. And maybe you made a New Year's resolution to not watch the news as much or to help you get de-stressed or not feel so overwhelmed. Well, let me tell you from personal experience that I highly recommend you try Headspace to add that mindfulness to your day and help relieve some of that stress you may be feeling. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And listen, if you're intimidated by the word meditation, let me tell you, I had not done it before until I used the Headspace app. One, it's an awesome app, beautifully designed, easy to use. It walks you through every step, and it eases you in teaching you how to do it, and it has been incredibly valuable to my daily life. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever your situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you feel overwhelmed, Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. It's just three minutes. Super easy to do. Maybe you need help falling asleep. Well, Headspace has a wind-down session that members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. And I want to tell you personally that I can get overwhelmed at times when I look at my to-do list, especially in the morning. And if that list just got longer overnight, I'm checking emails in the morning. 
Taking those few minutes right at the start of the day can really help put your mind at ease, help you get ready to focus on that task list, and you can approach the day not starting stressed out, and it makes such a difference. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime and anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash Apple Insider. That's headspace, just like it sounds, dot com slash Apple Insider for a free one-month trial. You can try it for an entire month. And you get access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation, including those beginner-type lessons to really get you acclimated to mindfulness and meditation. This is the best deal offered right now. Go to headspace.com slash Apple Insider today. Our thanks to Headspace for sponsoring this episode. So I also wanted to mention, as we're talking about devices with MagSafe and charging, you know, Andrew O'Hara reviewed the Belkin 3-in-1 MagSafe charger, and I couldn't resist. I picked one up. And just real quick, I have to say, it is really sweet. I had the MagSafe Duo, where you can charge your iPhone and Apple Watch from Apple. It's Apple's product. But man, the Belkin 3-in-1 really takes MagSafe to the next level. I wasn't sure how I would like my phone just kind of dangling in midair because of the MagSafe. The Belkin one, it's like kind of high up and your phone is just not vertical. It's at maybe like a 30 degree angle or something, but it is super secure. My phone stays on there charging overnight and I don't worry about it coming off at all. You can put it vertical or horizontal on that charging plate and that's pretty sweet. The Apple Watch, same thing. It hangs up there in midair, but really secure. The magnets charges overnight. And then it has that third place for your AirPods or AirPods Pro where you can charge it via Qi charging right there on the base. So yeah, I have to say it's a really sweet and I understand why Andrew gave it a five out of five stars. So if you haven't gotten that MagSafe Duo and you wanna get MagSafe, a MagSafe charger for your nightstand or maybe your desk, and you're looking at the different options. That Belkin 3-in-1 is really sweet. The white one is in stock and ships pretty quickly. I got mine in just a couple of days. Uh, the, there's a black version coming, but I think that's February shipping time uh, for that. So that's pretty cool. So you said you got a MagSafe thing for Christmas. You get the puck? I got the, the Apple's kind of regular uh, one. So they're quite long lead. And uh, uh, yeah, the puck thing for it, which is currently by my bed. But I had it by my desk for a bit. And I, now I kind of want them in both spots. So maybe I have to <laughs> yes. buy the Belkin thing. You might have to. Though you were really quick getting it. I mean, I uh, last I heard they were delayed and then suddenly they were out and you got one straight away. That's, oh, Apple must love you, isn't it? Service. It's Stephen who sent it down. <laughs> That's right. Ship it away. No, it was. I bought it through the Apple store. And so I think that was the trick. You know, there was, wasn't sure if it was going to be available January 8th, if it was going to be delayed. Mm. And so I just checked the Apple store January 8th when it was rumored to be available and boom, it was there. And the, you know, if you switch between the black and white color in the Apple store app, you do see the shipping times change. The black one was like three to four weeks. So went over to the white and got like next day shipping. So Excellent. if you want it, check it out in the Apple store. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Uh, it doesn't appear to be available in the UK Apple Store yet, unfortunately. Oh, uh, okay. Sorry, across I'm the pond there. Tantalized again. Yeah. Now, what is the status currently on the physical Apple stores in the UK? Are they all still closed? They're all closed, um, and um, I don't believe there's an exception for Apple, but most places are not even doing click and collect uh, at the moment. Wow. So it's just shuttered completely uh not for very much longer well in theory uh about february the 15th i think it is that uh, things are supposed to come out of lockdown again but we don't know if that'll be extended uh, further unfortunately gotcha well yeah i'm sorry for those i know i saw you know a couple of weeks ago that everything was shutting down and so they haven't given a, like a estimated things might open up at this time you said february 15th uh, apple hasn't said anything they're just following uh, government guidelines uh, the trouble is i don't mean to knock the government here but the guidelines change so i mean from day to day they are radically different to the extent that we're kind of numb to it now and it's just uh, we check in the morning can we go out yet no and carry on uh, i think it's highly likely that the lockdown will continue further than the 14th or 15th whichever one it is but officially we're still expected to be free of it by then gotcha i was having such a lovely time talking about key charges and um mag safe and now <laughs> you have to bring in the real world sorry sorry 
Uh, no, well, we'll talk about the real world again later uh, because usually you want to talk bad about your government. We had quite a number of uh, events uh, over here in the U.S. and how that relates to technology is really? interesting. <laughs> yeah, you may have heard. You may have heard, <laughs> maybe. But before we get to all that, iOS 14.4 beta, a new beta was released. And we talk about it on HomeKit Insider as well. But if you have a HomePod mini, which I know you do, William, or at least your wife does. I don't know if you guys share it. Does she share it with you? Or does she say, don't touch my HomePod? I, I think I told you I was buying her one for Christmas. Yes. Uh, I, I caved and gave it to her early because I got it straight away. Right. And it was in my office and I just couldn't do it. I had to give it to her. So then obviously I had to think about a new Christmas present. And actually she separately got a HomePod mini from someone else. So we have two. <laughs> um, and oh, we have discovered nice. the delights of... Of, uh, intercom through it through that, those two that are around the house oh, yeah. and the HomePod next to me and we're finding that remarkably useful so yes very keen on anything to do with HomePod minis uh, I now want one for the kitchen but you know there's a limit you've got to stop somewhere sure uh, I definitely want to hear about that your intercom experience too that's that's very interesting but with iOS 14.4 beta there is an update for the HomePod mini that will be coming that utilizes the U1 ultra wideband chip in both the HomePod mini and the iPhone 12s. I believe the iPhone 11s also have the U1 ultra wideband and you'll be able to hand off audio from your phone to HomePod mini and back much more quickly, more secure and easily and using the ultra wideband. So when 14.4 comes out publicly, if you have a HomePod mini and an iPhone 11 or 12, you should try off that handoff feature. Andrew has an article and a video talking about that. So I'll put that in show notes. And also in iOS 14.4, there was updates to the Find My app, and there's a new splash screen when you open Find My for the first time in iOS 14.4, and it talks about the ability to include other devices into the Find My app. And again, with the long-rumored and still waiting to hear about AirTags, there's actually a URL scheme that was discovered where if you put in like the Safari web browser on your iPhone and you type Find My colon, backslash, backslash items into Safari, it triggers a URL scheme that opens the Find My app to a Find My Items screen. So right now, if you open the Find My app and you're on the public release of 14.3, you know, you could see other members of your family or other friends that you may have accepted to share location with, and you could see your devices in there. And this looks like it's going to be adding additional items, even third-party items. Belkin is actually going to be using this uh, tracking service, so it, they'll be included in the Find My, the new Belkin wireless earbuds. You'll be able to use it in the Find My app. So it really looks like this AirTags that one day will hopefully come out sometime soon. And so we can stop talking about when they're going to come or if they're going to come. But I find it interesting. I, I would look forward to having these kinds of devices. Maybe Tile could even integrate with this in 14.4 so you can see your Tile items in the Find My app. I think that'd be pretty cool. So you said you've been using Intercom on your HomePod minis. And I'm curious, how has that experience been? What is your like starting phrase for when you're wanting to send a message from HomePod mini to HomePod mini? And how does it come across? How's that been working for you? Um, I know there are ways to direct an Intercom to a particular um HomePod Mini, but I can't. I can never remember what that is. So I just say the magic words and then intercom and what I want. Or I tried it the one time I went outside. Had to go essential journey under lockdown. When I was coming back, uh, I was using uh, my wife has has CarPlay, and I was, couldn't resist it. I tried intercom through that and just told her I was on the way back. And I did that by saying announce to everyone and. It worked for it. Um, I, it's silly to think that we're not exactly in a big house, but the walls are pretty thick. So it's very handy to be able to just say the odd thing, like the bath is ready or food's coming or whatever, right. um, and have know that it's got there. We had a bit of an issue that um, uh, I was trying to record something and I got an intercom announcement through the HomePod here. So I actually wrote a feature for an Apple Insider on how to stop that happening temporarily. Yeah, like make right. your own do not disturb for HomePod or HomePod mini. But other than that, it's been um, just, it's like it's become part of our normal existence very quickly. Wow. So, yes, it's been remarkable. Considering that I couldn't stand the old walkie-talkie over watches for the, that reason that it was forever interrupting when you're in places you really didn't want to be interrupted. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised I even tried Intercom, but now that I have, uh, utterly sold. 
Do you guys ever reply after an intercom is sent? And how do you do that? Oh, there's no point. Yes, we often do. Uh, oh, I think what we do is, I know there is a re direct reply function, but we just tend to say intercom again. Because uh, although I suppose there are three, HomePod and two HomePod minis, there's only two of us in the house for it, um, and our, our phones and things. If we just basically announce the reply and know that we'll get it. Gotcha. So yes, I should be doing a direct reply to whatever device has been sending it. Okay. You see, there's more to explore in this, and I'm already used to it as it is. Okay, thanks. I've only used it a couple times, but I don't know. I always forget exactly what to say. So I guess you kind of have to use it regularly to get used to it. So I might I might try that. I see the intercom option everywhere, even on my Apple Watch. You know, if you open the Home app, you see that intercom thing at the top. So yeah, I might have to try that soon. I think it's interesting that I can't remember what you have to say and neither can you. But in your case, it's because you haven't used it. And for mine, it's because it's become, become second nature. Right. Right. I'm not using it enough. I, uh, I should change it. But yeah, definitely try it out and join us. You're right. I thought, I thought you could say like broadcast, you know, like, so, hey, dingus, broadcast, and then say something after that. Well, I know there's, hey, Iris, that's say away. I'm going to say that rather than dingus. Hey, Iris. Um, hey, Iris. Uh, intercom. <laughs> Uh, or announce. Uh, I think there's also a tell. I think gotcha. there, there was one time when a message I, I sent. The message began with Angela's name, um, and it said, "I can't send it to a particular person" or something like that. Mm, and there's one point okay. where, actually, as a gag, Angela sent me a text uh, saying she needed the the URL for a Zoom meeting and I, I couldn't resist it I, I sent her an intercom announcement and I said over it uh, easy to just tell you https colon slash and I was only going to go a few letters into it and then admit <laughs> yeah you know how long zoom links are and I thought this would be fun yes, stop yes. looking at me it was funny at the time except for <laughs> some reason uh, the intercom did not relay that message at all didn't just stop after I spoke and began the, the URL. It didn't relay the message at all. So she came up about 10 minutes later going, duh, where's the... <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Because so. it did, there's no like cue to tell you it stopped listening really. No, there's an, another, yet another nice Apple sound when it begins listening. But then you just sort of stop and look at it for a moment. Or at least I used to at first. Now I say it and my mind's gone back to whatever else. I'm working on until or if I get a reply. Right, right, for sure. Interesting. Well, I'll try more often. We'll report back next time we're on together. This episode is brought to you by the Nebia by Moen Spa Shower. You've heard me talk about Nebia before, and I've been using the spa shower for months now, and I absolutely love it. From the design to the spa-like experience in the shower, this thing is incredible. Nebia started in Mexico City where water shortages were a big problem. They came to Silicon Valley to raise money. And Tim Cook was one of Nebia's first investors, the Apple CEO. Nebia was developed by former Tesla, Apple, and NASA engineers to create a superior shower experience while saving water. And get this, Nebia has currently saved over 175 million gallons of water. So let me tell you about the shower. The Nebula by Moen Spa Shower is incredibly easy to install. I'm not a very do-it-yourself guy, but the instructions they give you with all the right parts and pieces, it really only took me about 15 minutes to swap out my old shower with the Nebula by Moen Spa Shower. It looks beautiful. It comes in several different finishes. I have the nickel fingerprint resistant finish and it just looks great in the shower. But the best part is the shower experience. I have the Nebula by Moen Spa Shower and the wand that comes with it and it just envelops you with water. It's really like a spa-like experience, and I got this term from them, the thermal comfort level, meaning how hot it gets, is great. Even my kids love it. They've been using it just as long as I have, and they never get tired of that shower experience. I love that it's height adjustable, so you can raise and lower that top shower head. You can even go to Nebia's website, and they have a calculator that will tell you, based on your location, how much you will save in money when using the Nebia by Moen Spa Shower because it saves water and saves you money. It actually saves 45% of water compared to other standard showers, but it has two times greater coverage. And this is Nebia's most advanced and affordable shower yet, starting at just $199. Again, the Nebia by Moen Spa Shower comes in four finishes, and you can also get this really cool shower shelf to match. You can hang your little loofahs and sponges and put your shampoos on top of it. It looks great. So right now, there's 15% off Nebia products for listeners of the Apple Insider Podcast. Nebia doesn't usually do sales, so this is a great opportunity to jump on it. Go to nebia.com slash Apple Insider 
Take a look at all their products and then use the coupon code Apple Insider, all one word, when checking out. That's Nebia, N-E-B-I-A, dot com slash Apple Insider, and then use the promo code Apple Insider when you check out. Our thanks to Nebia for sponsoring this episode. And so I wanted to point out these funny things from Samsung. Samsung announced their new S21 Galaxy phone lines and a couple hilarious points. One, when Samsung tweeted about the unpacked event, the promotion, they tweeted it from an iPhone. And I feel like social media managers and PR people everywhere, for some reason, still do not understand that when you tweet from a device, you can see on Twitter what device was used to tweet that thing. And so this tweet, the Samsung Unpacked event, such and such, it was tweeted January 13, 2021, with Twitter for iPhone. And this is just hilarious. I, I know there's actually been cases in the past. I think it was Oprah and somebody else. They were talking about how much they loved the <laughs> Microsoft Surface and then, you know, loved this other thing. And it's tweeted from iPhone. It's like, you know, we just know the truth. We know. For some reason, when it's uh, an announcement like this and you know it's a PR company that did it, I, I'm kind of, I feel for them because it's like, you know, they're doing their job and they just didn't think about this bit. But when it's a celebrity endorsement and they're gushing about how much they like something, <laughs> and then in the next line, unless they're trying to send us a coded message, right. the fact that they are not using that. Uh, very I'm under dumb. duress. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Send Maybe they're trying to say that they're now. in danger. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> also, with Samsung releasing these new phones, uh, The Verge and others actually confirmed that even after Apple announced that no power brick was coming with the iPhone 12s and Samsung saying, oh, no, we include our power brick. We're not like those guys. Now with the S21 line, it's confirmed that Samsung is also leaving out the power brick from their phone boxes. So, again, just a hilarious. The thing, the sole thing that I mean, you could almost put a clock on how long it is between Samsung mocking and Samsung emulating. But where is Samsung TV Plus? That's the one thing I thought they had uh, the money to get into. And yet, they were just leaving that one alone for now. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't know. I don't want to see a, a <laughs> Samsung Galaxy TV Plus content. I don't know what that would be. It would be all reality shows. No, I don't know. But that would be... No, thank you. No, thank you. Well, speaking of stuff that was happening in the U.S., last week and up till now. How it relates to technology, you know, I want to talk about Parler just for a moment. Parler is the social network that came about just recently, probably earlier this year, maybe last year, but is largely conservatives and conservative talk show hosts and personalities on there. And they struggled with moderation, meaning they were not moderating a lot of comments. And there was a lot of dangerous comments and uh, violence inducing comments, talking about just really terrible things. So the app, Apple and Google actually told Parler that unless they start instituting stronger moderation practices, that they were going to be taken out of the app store. And they did not change the moderation practices. Parler didn't, even after the January 6th event here in the capital of Washington, D.C. And so Apple and Google removed Parler from the app stores. So you cannot download Parler if you did not already have it on your phone. Even at the time of this recording, at the end of this week, so January 15th, you cannot get Parler downloaded from the App Store or Google Play Store. But even more so, even though it was removed from the app stores, if you if someone had it on their phone, they could continue to use it until Amazon who runs the AWS, Amazon Web Services. Parler was using Amazon as the backend to power the app and all the servers. Amazon made the same threat, meaning, you know, change your moderation or we're going to shut it down. Again, without changing, Amazon also followed through, just like Apple and Google, but this time shutting down Parler's Amazon Web Services, meaning even with the app on your phone, when you opened it, there was nothing there because... The web services, the back end was non-existent. Amazon shut it down. And so Parler is trying to sue Amazon with this, you know, because they took away or censorship. And they are trying to find another service provider for the back server side stuff. I just found this incredibly interesting. And then, you know, talking to certain people, seeing people comment on the internet, there's really confusion on, you know, what is censorship, which we won't get into a ton here, but also like what companies did what. I heard some people even say like Apple shut down Parler because mm. 
the headlines on the internet talking about Apple removing Parler from the App Store was somehow larger in the mind space of people. And so they immediately assumed that Apple shut down Parler, where in all honesty, while they removed it from the App Store, they couldn't shut down the service. It was actually Amazon who did because the web services were shut down. So I just find it interesting that the confusion and kind of where blame goes in situations like this when people don't really understand like how an internet service or social network like Parler actually functions, what it needs to function as far as like the web services side. So it was an interesting tale there, but it again is still shut down. Still, you cannot download it from the App Store or Google Play Store at the moment of this recording. Just interesting overall how that uh, all went down. Well, I think perhaps because I'm in the UK, I had not even heard of Parler until all of this broke and that makes me interested in how uh you know that we're all siloed in listening to the news that we're interested in or that we like or that says what we want to hear but that's an example where the existence of uh, a new service if you like uh, a messaging service of a particular persuasion uh totally escaped me because it's not something i'd ever use and uh, i was quite shocked that something so big could be around that even I thought I was aware of these things and I'd missed it all. So I, I understand people not understanding, if you see what I mean, the whole chain of things. Yeah, I suppose it's yes. not anybody's job to know that AWS powers everything. But I think if one is um, concerned enough to be angry about something, one should be concerned enough to find out about it. Uh, rather than just take the face value thing. Yeah, I agree. And just as a correction, Parler actually was founded in 2018. So it's like two plus years old, but it really just rose to dominance or at least into the like public conversation in this last year uh, because of all that's been going on here in the U.S. And as of December 2020, before it was shut down, it had about 2.3 million active users, which, you know, if you compare that to the active Twitter users, Twitter has about 36 million daily active users. So, you know, nowhere near as big as even Twitter. And then again, you know, Facebook over a billion users and all that. So relatively small, but uh, definitely made a lot of noise, at least here in the U.S. So one last thing about Parler, this was interesting. Gizmodo had a report that was actually showing the geo-tagged posts that people were posting to Parler on January 6th at and inside the Capitol building. Now, again, you know, when we talk about privacy and security, this is one of those things that you don't think about until after the fact, but Parler did not encrypt the geolocation data for posts. And even if you were to delete a post, Parler was only marking that post as deleted. It wasn't actually removing that post from its servers. And so all the geodata from posts that were made on Parler on January 6th from people at the Capitol building Actually, it was mapped by Gizmodo where you can see all these little red dots of people posting to Parler that day during the riots and, you know, during the people as, as they came into the U.S. Capitol building. And so the <laughs> denial to say that, no, 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 Parler wasn't being used by mm. these people going into the U.S. Capitol building, like clearly false, because you can see from the geodata of the posts uh, where they were when they posted to Parler. So again, like, this is one of the situations that we're going to see more of in the future about privacy and security, especially when it comes to these social networking apps and services. So I'll put a link to that Gizmodo article in show notes. Seeing the map is is a pretty interesting uh, display of you know being able to use this data for something that is just, it's just an interesting development, I would say, in this whole parlor thing. So. I'm quite spooked by that, but I'm going to say maybe for all we know, people were posting recipes and cat videos uh, to parlor <laughs> and they just happened to be doing it uh, in Nancy Pelosi's office. I mean, it could happen. It's sure, possible, sure. So. We all, yeah, we're, we all know how many cats are at the U.S. Capitol building. Yeah, oh, it's just overrun yeah, with cats. Me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's just, Something must be done about the cats. Yes. That's, that's <laughs> the thing. Yes. And so the last thing, we actually had a listener question, and we'd love to have more of this as you listen to the podcast. If you have questions about anything, and this question actually came from Dan on Twitter, and he was asking me about mesh Wi-Fi networks, and if I have any recommendations about that there. He has actually an Airport Extreme and Express, which I had the old Airport Express as well. I love that. And 
you know, if Apple ever wants to, in all the different areas that is getting into product-wise, they want to get back into Wi-Fi routers, I'm not going to be mad, I'll be honest, and get mesh Wi-Fi. But for the current state of mesh Wi-Fi networks, one, I would look at the things that were announced at CES. There are Wi-Fi 6E routers that are now announced that will be available even as early as February of this year. Wi-Fi 6E is even faster and has more robust features for Wi-Fi 6. Apple devices don't support Wi-Fi 6E just yet, but surely future Apple devices will. So if you really want a future proof, I would look at some of those Wi-Fi 6E mesh routers. I really like the routers that are coming from Linksys, their Velop line of routers, which they announced a 6E version is coming soon. I personally have the Linksys Velop Wi-Fi 6 router mesh network. It is not inexpensive. You know, it is pricey, especially if you're getting multiple nodes. But I have found the Wi-Fi 6 performance to be incredible, especially on my Apple devices that have Wi-Fi 6. I get just as fast speeds wired to Ethernet as being Wi-Fi on my iPhone. So pretty incredible. But the Linksys Velop mesh network system is great. Also, the Netgear Orbi system has gotten really positive reviews. There is the Eero line, and I was really positive on Eero before it was bought by Amazon. Now that Eero is owned by Amazon, I'm a little more hesitant to recommend that as far as a privacy and security thing. But if you're also looking for HomeKit to be on routers, again, I go back to the Linksys Velop. They've brought HomeKit already to several of their mesh network router lines, and they've announced that it's going to be coming to more of their Velop routers. So if you want HomeKit in a router and you really want a great Wi-Fi mesh network, I do recommend the Linksys Velop system. Do you have a, a mesh network or what do you use for Wi-Fi? Uh, we use chewing gum and some string. Um, it's actually <laughs> okay. earlier this okay. week as we record this, uh, we lost all internet because apparently there was some work outside and workmen cut through the cables. Mm, it's my favourite. Uh, they my managed favorite. to replace it later, but I was actually in the middle of a Zoom conference at the time and I was about to work for Apple Insider and I then had to host a workshop in the evening for a couple of hours. So all in all, it was quite a pale kind of day. Uh, for me but uh, mm. for what it's worth part of the fix was because they can't come into a house because of lockdown conditions they passed a wire through with their test equipment on and I had to crawl under our stairways to find our central phone point point. Oh my goodness. and as I was getting there it was like a sitcom moment with just at comedically different intervals, something would drop down on my head. And I, I am convinced that Angela was behind me just giggling and letting go every now and again. Wow. But yeah, uh, whatever it was I plugged in, it helped them confirm that it didn't work. And then they fixed Oh it. my goodness. So that's it. I, I have actually genuinely today, I've been wondering whether Mesh would help me because even though they fixed that, and Angela's work is fine. Uh, I'm further away from the route and I lost connection again for a bit. I had to tether for no apparent reason uh, for a few minutes and things. So I I've been wondering about uh, ring wires or meshing. And this makes me think that meshing might be. Is meshing the word? Is, the, is there a verb, meshing? Yeah, yeah. You can, you, can, you can use that as a verb, meshing. Okay. And that's what I have. Like I, I don't have Ethernet run to my second mesh node. And it's like just totally wireless, just plugged into power. So, and I find the, the mesh really works well. Even if I'm far away from the node that's current connected directly to Ethernet, I still get great speeds like far on the other side of the house. So yeah, highly recommend the, the mesh thing. Well, listeners, thanks for joining us this week. We would love to hear from you on Twitter. You can tweet at William Gallagher and myself. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your questions, your comments. If you got some Apple setup, you know, if you have a desk setup, if you're using some docking station like I talked about earlier, I'd love to see it. You can tweet a picture at us. You can also email us. That link is in show notes as well. If you haven't yet, we would greatly appreciate a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. A couple of you did that this past week, and we really appreciate it. And don't forget to check out the HomeKit Insider podcast that comes out every Monday and Apple Insider Daily, where you can get all the headlines from Apple in just three to five minutes every day. You can check out links in show notes to those podcasts as well. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll catch you next time.